This is MJ. I'm an author, I'm an artist, I'm an analyzer. Find all my work at mjmunoz.com. Welcome to Story Over Everything, episode 20. This is the first episode of Skimming Leaves, where I will be having a casual book chat about Sir Howard Pyle's The Merry Adventures of Robin Hood. And as I looked into this, I found out that the title is actually a little bit longer than that, but I'm not going to include all of that here and now. You can look it up on your own. I do have resources or links for you to follow in the show notes. So, I'm going to start off with some information. Well, first of all, what is a casual book chat and what is Skimming Leaves and why is that? I'll be brief about it. Less than two minutes. Uh, Skimming Leaves is a play on an idea I had before about mining the gold out of books that are really good classic books, uh, well-received, highly acclaimed books, so that I could figure out the craft of writing from examining them closely. Skimming Leaves is kind of the opposite of that. It's taking classics, taking greats, and doing more cursory more surface level of them, skimming the golden leaves, as it were, of those uh, wonderful stories. And I actually came up with that idea from the, I think it's the introduction, or the foreword perhaps, or maybe it's the preface to uh, this very book, The Merry Adventures of Robin Hood. And I think that's a cool little tidbit, and that's a fun reason for me to start with this. Also, um, I'm very much into fantasy right now, and superheroes, and the series of books that I have is kind of like a combination of, I guess, uh, well, the, the nearest analog I could say is it's like doing Marvel comics, but doing Marvel comics as books and as literature and kind of combined with a, a fantasy edge or a fantasy aspect. Uh, you could liken it to um, Lord of the Rings or maybe even Chronicles of Narnia or uh, maybe even better, the Chronicles of Bredain. But um, combining those aspects of those, the, the magic in those worlds with the Marvel superhero universe and uniting it all in, you know, one author's vision. And I have series upon series planned for that. And it's a huge, crazy, ambitious project. But I've heard that you should have big, hairy, audacious goals if you want to have success and um, make something of yourself. So anyway, that's that's what I'm working towards. And this book, like I said, it feels like a very, uh, even though it's not actually fantasy, it feels like a very much um, in the vein of what I'm trying to make. Because there's superheroic aspects to Robin Hood and there's fantastical aspects or elements to it, uh, even if they're just in the heroic deeds that these men are able to accomplish that are unbelievable. <laughs> um, some of them are absolutely unbelievable. So anyway, without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and get into it. And before I continue, I'm going to say if you haven't had the pleasure of reading uh, or listening to this book, I urge you to go to LibriVox or Project Gutenberg. You can find it there and you can listen to it, uh, read by several people, admittedly, and your mileage may vary on the quality of their readings, but it's the second time I've listened to it through and I still enjoyed it. And uh, if you want to read it on your own, with your own eyes, you can go to Project Gutenberg. Again, I have it linked here and you can find it. And you, uh, Project Gutenberg, you can find it free, or I mean, well, free, yes, but in various formats. Um, and I won't go into that right now. So I'm going to start with the basics of the book, The Merry Adventures of Robin Hood by Sir Howard Pyle, has illustrations by Howard Pyle in it. Um, there's maybe a dozen or so. I'm not sure I didn't count them all, but I'm including some of them in the show notes in the, um, the artwork done for this show. So yeah, look at that stuff and you'll be able to find it. Um, it was published in 1883. I'm not going to do the math on that. I should do that next time. That's a while ago. <laughs> it was, uh, 110, we have 110,000 words, 22 chapters long, it took about 11 hours, um, combined for all the, uh, readers to read it and for me to listen to it, including they, this is a presentation by LibriVox.org. To find out more, go to LibriVox.org. Here you can follow them here, blah, 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 blah. So 
Anyway, uh, those are the details of the book, and yes, <laughs> uh, I'm going to go ahead and touch on each chapter. I will have a com one comment, and unfortunately, as I started this, I was very verbose, as I'm wont to do as I start a new project, and then as time went on, I got a little more uh, choosy with my words, and I said a lot less. So I'm basically going to assume that you've read the book, and I'm going to mention really cool, really fun things from each chapter or the preface, the uh, I don't know, epilogue, I guess, uh, that really struck a chord with me. And I'm not going to comment too much on them, other than to say you know, this: I think this is a wonderful book. Um, I've advised other people to read it, and I will continue to do so. And I'll probably read or listen to it again at some point in the future on my own, just for fun, just for the pleasure of it. Um, but in the pro, uh, so I will go now professor in the preface, uh, there's this phrase that's, uh, clap to the lead or clap to the leaves and go no farther. If you can't handle what, uh, is going to happen here, because this book isn't about the past being pure and, uh, I guess sanitary or antiseptic. It's about people being, I don't know, body and, uh, and not that it's an inappropriate book at all, but it's just kind of outrageous what some of the heroes do and even more so what some of the villains do in this. Um, but it's, uh, accurate to this, a certain type of people in a certain time. And it reflects that even though this is, uh, all in the land of fancy that this is happening. So if you can't handle that, if you can't have fun, if you can't go with the flow and, except outlaws and bandits as heroes, then you should go no farther. <laughs> you should clap to the leaves and let this book be. Um, so that's, that's it for the preface from chapter one, which I called outlaw. And I've, for some reason I gave a, like a subtitle to each chapter, maybe for context to help me remember what was in it and help you remember what was in it. If you've recently read this or not so recently. Um, so anyway, from chapter one, which I dub outlaw, uh, heart's blood versus heart's blood, H A R T speaking of a deer, venison, and then H-E-A-R-T, um, is a really interesting literary flourish. Um, Robin Hood is killing a deer. He's, he's killing a deer, uh, in order to prove how good of a shot he is and how, uh, expert he is as a yeoman. And he is basically attacked and in self-defense, he pulls his arrow and, looses it on a relative of the sheriff of Nottingham and he ends up killing that man and both the heart's blood and that man's heart's blood uh, spill onto the green lawn, the grass, which is described as being beautiful and lush and full of life. And these, the lives of these two are flowing out of them due to Robin's actions and because he was angry and, um, I don't know, had the heat and the pridefulness of youth and that kind of led to a loss of his innocence. Uh, after that, he becomes an outlaw hero and other lots of other men in Nottinghamshire are made outlaws for various reasons. Uh, they didn't have enough money to pay you know, exorbitant taxes or many other incidences happened to them and they ended up becoming outlaws and they, while they were being outlaws, they helped people. They didn't necessarily rob from the rich and feed to the poor or feed to give to the poor, um, as is the common, uh, saying about Robin Hood. But they basically did that and they helped out the common folk who were oppressed by the law and by uh, people who had power and who were close to the law or people in positions of prominence and, and state, um, whether that be lords or clergymen or whoever. 
So it's pretty interesting. Uh, and the common folk knew they had nothing to fear from Robin and his men because they wouldn't go after them. They wouldn't take from them. They would take from those who, well, stole from everybody else pretty much. Uh, little John apparently is seven foot, seven feet tall, which is crazy. And Robin's pretty tall. He's six something, but they don't quite say, or at least not to my recollection. And, uh, he fought off 20 merry men, uh, after having fought Robin for over an hour and then defeated Robin and Robin fought him for over an hour. Uh, so I guess by the transitive property, little John is really, really strong. Robin's really, really strong as well. And I can't, I guess, uh, little John is a little tougher than Robin. And uh, there's this hilarious thing where they take him into uh, Sherwood Forest and they baptize him with beer and give him fresh new clothes to wear and uh, make him part of the band. And they, his name is actually originally John Little and then they dub him Little John. And at first he's mad, but because they christen him and he has his baptism, uh, he accepts it and just goes along with it. Okay, chapter two, Tinker. Robin is a trickster. I like that. Is it honor or regret that keeps him from killing the Tinker? Uh, either way, I like how he folds uh, these people into his band of merry men. Also, I like that the Tinker is a singer for the group. That's a lot of fun. And uh, these people, the Tinker becomes part of the band, and so does Little John, who are people, you know, he fought one in chapter one and the Tinker in chapter two. Chapter three, shooting. I believe this is the shooting match. Um, apparently, the Sheriff of Nottingham has a wife. That's interesting. I've never heard of that or thought of that before, but it makes sense. Um, Robin wears a costume over his clothes. He's wearing his Lincoln green, his famous Lincoln green, and he wears, uh, I don't know, red rags and such over that. And, uh, it seems a little weird to me. It seems like it'd be super hot and uncomfortable to wear that, but he did it. Uh, I find it exciting that there are untold tales of merry men from their adventures going to the shooting match. Uh, leaving little avenues like that open for more stories is nice. And then, uh, Robin's pettiness at being called a coward by the sheriff is funny. And then him taunting the sheriff was a good way to end the chapter. And he taunts him by, uh, shooting an arrow into a blunted arrow into the sheriff's hall while he and his men are eating. And it says something about like, oh, thanks for giving me the prize basically, which is fun. Okay. Chapter four is called rescue, or I'm calling it rescue. The Palmer mentioned something about Normans and bishops when speaking up for Will Stutely. He called himself a Saxon and a yeoman in his youth. Robin Hood and the Merry Men are called yeoman. I don't know what all those terms mean, but it sounds like there's some sort of class warfare and ethnic divide at play. It may seem odd, being that all these people are quote-unquote white, but remember that French, uh, the French and English fought a lot with each other, and even the Irish fought with England, uh, and I heard the Scots actually, and there is the IRA conflict and, uh, I know a little of in Ireland as well, and that's between Irish and Irish. Now, the bottom line is one, as long as uh, the characters have a clear understanding of what divides them, uh, the audience does not need to fully understand the context of the conflict, and two, people may fracture or ally themselves in a variety of ways, and it is silly to dismiss out of hand the differences in a conflict, even if you don't understand them, like me here. Okay, next, uh, I love Robin's regret over killing the sheriff's kinsman. Uh, this book is more episodic than serial. Wait. Yeah, uh, but that thread of remorse is being actively woven through these merry adventures, and it didn't have to be. Uh, I think it is. Uh, I think it is moral the book that is without being preachy, which is good. Okay, moving on. As Robin says, uh, now let us get straight away into Nottingham Town and mix ourselves with the people there. But keep ye one another in sight, pressing as near the prisoner as his guards as ye can. When they come outside the walls, strike no man without need, for I would fain avoid bloodshed. But if ye do strike, strike hard, and see that there be no need to strike again. Then keep 
all together until we come again to Sherwood and let no man leave his fellows. That's really cool. He doesn't want to kill. He'll kill if he has to. He'll tell his men to kill if they have to, but it's kind of the last option and they want to have retribution killing be swift and sure and not lead to more death and more suffering. Suitley's acceptance of death and desire for an honorable death is interesting. Honor is so important that it is desirable to die with honor when death comes, as it must for all. I think that's more of a something about the people in the context of their time, where maybe life was harder in a lot of ways, um, but maybe it was simpler and better in others. The brotherly love between Will and Little John is great. They are men and brothers in arms, and that is a beautiful thing. Chapter 5, Butcher. This chapter is hilarious. So much fun. Uh, <laughs> Um, Robin is factual but not truthful when tricking the sheriff, uh, the brothers, the cattle, the acreage, the danger of Robin Hood to the sheriff being the same as the danger, uh, to Robert, the butcher, O'Loxley. Um, that's all great. He basically, <laughs> by technicality, is honest but dishonest to the sheriff, and he keeps doing that throughout the book to different people, and it's a lot of fun. Chapter six, uh, they go to Nottingham Fair, I guess. Um, the way Eric Lincoln is spoken of, it feels like he should be somebody that we know, but I don't know if he is or not. Um, Renold Greenleaf is a cool false name for Little John that he adopts for quite a while. And uh, I can't believe that Little John went to work for the sheriff as Renold Greenleaf. That's hilarious. In chapter seven, the sheriff's house, uh, <laughs> Little John has grown quite fat uh, living in the sheriff's house. And at some point he runs five miles. And it's hilarious to think of this, you know, more rotund Little John running all that distance, and uh, it was after he and the sheriff's cook um, had an eating match with each other, basically, in the larder, it sounds like, and then uh, the cook ends up defecting and going with Little John and Robin Hood's Merry Men and living in Sherwood and becoming their cook instead. Chapter 8, Tanner. Uh, Little John getting trashed is fun. I don't remember what all that is, but he must get made fun of a lot in that chapter, and um, the book has fun with it, and I have fun with it, so it's all good stuff. Uh, chapter nine, Will Scarlet. Uh, Will is another outlaw. He's Robin's nephew and Little John's leverage. Ooh, what's that about? <laughs> uh, I think, uh, I think, gosh, I, there must've been some sort of competition going on between them and Little John wanted to use him against Robin. Oh, I think cause he trounced Robin. Um, and like they say that he like pulled up an entire tree. I don't remember if he made a switch for, or a staff out of it for himself, but he, he did something and he's super, super strong and it's never explained why. And it's just, I don't know. It's kind of a joke, I guess chapter 10 midge um so they say that tragedy plus time equals comedy they also say that laughter comes from the unexpected or unbelievable becoming real either way i suppose that means that the best punchline is the one you never saw coming the vaunted robin hood and three of the mightiest men he knows being outfoxed and outclassed by a miller's son named after a tiny fly can certainly be called an unseen haymaker and i think that uh chapter 10 was the funniest chapter yet with Midge the Miller's son. I believe that's the actual title of the chapter. Uh, chapter 11, Ellen Dale, the minstrel. Uh, so Ellen Dale and Ellen so-and-so are in love, but kept apart. Uh, Pyle named, oh, name drop Pope Joan, which was really cool. Um, look up Pope Joan if you don't know anything about her. Um, let's see. Oh yeah, May Ellen's Wedding is a lovely song. That's something that Ellen Dale sings to Robin Hood and his merry men in Sherwood Forest as they're waiting for stuff to happen. Uh, chapter 12, Holy Tuck. <laughs> um, we have Holy Hounds and Will Scarlet surprise. So, uh, Will Scarlet, like I said, is Robin's cousin. Somehow he knows Friar Tuck and is familiar with Friar Tuck's 
dogs, his hounds. And at some point, uh, Robin blows on his famous uh, silver horn, which I haven't mentioned this yet because it's in the books and I didn't think to do that. And he blows three times on it and his merry men come rushing in to save him. And then um, he basically asks Friartuck for permission to do that after they've been fighting each other for a while. And Friartuck says, that's fine as long as I can throw on blow on my whistle the same as you blow on your horn and he does and these dogs come out and attack him and uh the men are going to shoot the dogs until will scarlet comes up to them and makes nice with them and they're um affectionate with him because he knows them and they know him and that was a huge surprise and that was a lot of fun i actually looked into it and in one of the older versions of the the ballads of robin hood there's actually 20 dogs or 100 dogs or something like that and all of them get killed except for a couple of them and it's uh pretty crazy and yeah, Friar Tuck, for some reason, has these hounds that he used to attack people. I, I said holy hounds as opposed to like hounds of hell because he uses them for, uh, I guess, a similar-ish purpose. I just need to check something real quick. Okay. So moving on to chapter 13. It's called Mowage. Um, Ellen's dad surprised me with how uh, he valued station over sentiment. He would rather his daughter married an old man that she has no affection for or interest in so that she can have a higher station than for her to be a poor but happy woman living um, with and being married to Ellen Adele. Odd. Chapter 14. Sad night. Sir Richard of the Lee is a good man. He cares so deeply for his wife and son, and his honor and the peril of losing his land is an injustice that hurts them all. Robin and his men helping him was stirring and lovely. Chapter 15. Payback of a sad night. There is a clear but not preachy moral here. Rich and poor, small and great alike, can be petty and spiteful and selfish if they lose themselves. The corrupt clergyman and the mob both uh, lost themselves. Uh, There was a mob at a fair, I believe. Uh, Let's see, chapter 6. Foe Friar. Little John names it and claims it with the aid of St. Dunstan. Little John pretends to be a country friar because he and Robin are bored and decide to go off on adventures of their own for the day and then come back and share with each other what they had to say for a laugh. And uh, chapter 17 is the, it's Robin's side of that where he becomes a bonnie beggar. Um, here we have only the second mention of Maid Marian in the whole book. It will be the final. She's mentioned in the very first of the book. And it's sad to me that there's no romance, no love story between them, but that's what Pyle chose to wrote, write. And I, I still like it. It's good. Um, and then there's something about Cain's wife releasing misfortunes in the book and uh, it sounds like it's taking the story of Pandora uh, releasing sorrows into the world um, and conflating it or combining it with the Bible to make it so that Cain's wife is the one who brought misfortunes into the world and I've never heard of that before and that's super interesting and apparently there's a beggar king and there's like a whole society of secret like secret beggars who aren't really beggars and who falsify what they're doing and they're, they all eat well and live well because they just let people give them money and they are rich off of that. And that's kind of funny. Uh, chapter 18, Hail to the Queen. The royal shooting match was a lot of fun. I don't know if Queen Eleanor was flirting with King Henry or needling him with the shooting match, uh, but I sure liked it. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Robin Hood and his men stole the hearts of so many that day. Uh, chapter 19, One Bad Bishop. Uh, I know no one is perfect, and I know I am defending a robber here, but the bishop uh, in this chapter is not what I would call a godly man, with him poisoning King Henry against Robin, and it's a petty and vindictive, which you would not expect from a man of the cloth. And uh, this man had been taken into Sherwood Forest and fleeced <laughs> previously, so he's getting revenge on Robin, which I kind of get and kind of don't, because they stole his money from him that he corruptly got out of people and now he's trying to get them killed 
inappropriately, like on false claims. Uh, let's see. Chapter 20, Deadly Guy. Robin's righteous killing is an interesting turn for him. And it's almost like Pyle was writing like a normal or like a you know modern book with a full character arc. And it's not just a series of adventures because um, there's this whole thing with this guy or guy or guy of Gisborne who is a bad hombre. But uh, Robin puts him down and he's happy. He, he gladly puts him down and he's uh, not sad about it, which I'm not either because I feel like it was an, a, a, an appropriate killing. Chapter 21, The Lion's Heart. Um, I almost want a book about King Richard after this chapter because he basically seemed like a guy like Robin going on adventures and having fun and enjoying what life throws at him, even if it knocks him in the dirt a little because he's like a salt of the earth, kind of blue collar type guy. And it was really interesting to see that. Chapter 22, which is the last chapter, I'm calling Mercy. Robin Hood had become a man of war and uh, he brought war to the Greenwood. In his pride and anger, he fought and killed, as he did as a youth. It is poetic and tragic and sobering. His heart's blood was leached from him in fear and bad humor, but it was stayed as he stayed Little John's hand, and he acted, excuse me, with mercy in his death as he had for much of his life. And, uh, yeah, he's betrayed by somebody, and it's pretty brutal <laughs> that it happens and how it happens, and it's really sad when he dies, and uh, Little John wants to basically murder like a i don't know a dozen women for killing robin and uh robin stops him and it's just i don't know it's really sweet and moral and good and righteous and uh again it, it makes him feel like such a hero and it makes me so happy to read that and i don't know it's inspiring that like even though he was had been betrayed like that that he sought not vengeance and that's super admirable so anyway I love this book. I think it's absolutely fabulous. Um, I shared my thoughts gently, casually on all those. And it, you know, I guess it was casual because I didn't really go into deep spoilers and I didn't talk extensively about each chapter. So maybe that'll work. I'd, I'd like to be more terse with it and see if that works. I'd love to hear your feedback on it, how you thought the format of this worked. If you've read the book, what you think of uh, The Married Adventures of Robin Hood and um, just how it went overall. Uh, I thank you for your time and attention, and I ask that you come back uh, next week for Story of Everything. I will be doing something very different. I will be talking about a topic or studying and uh, explaining for myself and for you uh, some aspect of writing, some craft aspect of writing. Um, so I'll, it'll either be that or it'll be uh, just talking about a topic in the world of writing and books and publishing and all that good stuff. So anyway, until next time, folks, this is MJ signing out. I hope you enjoyed that. Go to mjmunoz.com to leave any questions, comments, or other feedback you might have. There you can find all of my analysis, art, and fiction. I cover books, tokusatsu, comic books, anime, and more. Look around. You're sure to find something else that you'll enjoy as well. This has been a Story Over Everything production.